as I was contemplating what to share on, for whatever reason, this, this particular message kept coming back uh, to my heart. And so I want to start off with a, a true story that hopefully serves like uh, kind of an illustration uh, of what I want to talk about today. I was remembering the other day that as a, ki- a kid, I took a trip um, with my family from Ensenada to Cabo San Lucas. How many of you guys know that route, right? It, it's it's from one point to another in, in Baja. And we took off from Ensenada in the afternoon, uh, so the scenery was mostly ocean and green farmland. Now, uh, the trip from Ensenada to, to Cabo San Lucas is 19 hours. Uh, if you put, you know, uh, the pedal to the metal, you can make it there in 17. We were in a camper, so it probably took us 23 hours. So the plan was to kind of cut the trip in half and, and to, you know, stay at the uh, the midpoint of our trip somewhere. And so I was a kid. I, I fell asleep uh, through that trip, and, and I woke up in a hotel room. And as I went outside of the hotel room, um, I was in awe of the green lush and the, and the, the green vegetation everywhere around us. The hotel was in the middle of, like, this jungle setting. I remember to this day that the hotel was called El Presidente. It wasn't Trump's, but it was called El Presidente. And I'll never forget this, this pristine white hotel in the middle of all that green. Um, it was awesome. I remember just swimming in the pool, going out to the jungle with my cousin, playing Tarzan. I was Tarzan. Um, but it was only the midpoint of our trip, and so we, we, had to, we had to go. We had to leave. As much as I didn't want to leave that paradise, we had to. We had to go to our destinations. And so 45 minutes into our drive to our destination, the green, lush setting disappeared. And before we knew it, we were right smack in the middle of the Baja Desert. I think we have a picture there. The only thing that's green is a cactus, all right? I was thinking, I would imagine that's what Adam and Eve experienced when they were kicked out of the, uh, the Garden of Eve plus a thousand times more, right? And I was also thinking that that's what a lot of us as Christians go through. Uh, we start off or we're in this place in our walk where we're kind of like in the Garden of Eden. And before we know it, we find ourselves in the dry desert. When we're there, unfortunately, in the dry desert, we forget that, you know, we don't go from mountain to mountaintop as Christians. We go from mountaintop to valley to mountaintop to valley. And so sadly, instead of of forging ahead, the desert sometimes gets the best of us and we lose sight of the final destination. And so the question today is, is why? And I believe it's because we let our feelings dictate the course. I think that as Christians, too many times we put our feelings before facts and before faith. And if I had to give this message a title, I would, I would title it that. I would title it Fact, Feelings, or Fact, Faith, and Feelings. It's an old campus crusade saying where they would go up to people and they would deliver the, the facts. They would give them the word of God. They would show them how the prophecies of Jesus have come through. That's facts. They would say, now you have to have faith and believe that. And then your feelings will come afterwards. A lot of people say, God, show me yourself. Reveal yourself to me and I'll believe where God says, come close to me, and then I'll reveal myself to you. But this is a little twist on that. Um, it's really more about our Christian walk. I, I, I take it that you guys are hardcore. You guys are here on 
Thursday. So most of you are faith, are, are saved, right? You're Christians. So this really leads to our walk with God and how sometimes as Christians, we allow our feelings to dictate the course. The Bible repeatedly commands us to walk by faith and not by sight, all right? 2 Corinthians 5, 7, Hebrews 10, 38. So I want to share something with you that you might already know, but I think it's worth repeating because one thing is for sure. Many of us are going to find ourselves once being in a lust season and vegetation and our walk happy, gung-ho on fire for the Lord. And then before we know it, we find ourselves in the barren desert. How we arrange these three things, those three words will save us a lot of grief. Fact, feeling, or fact, faith, and feeling. See, I'm already putting feeling first. Just in that order. Fact, faith, and feeling. See, I believe that if we follow that order, no matter what season we hit, we're going to be okay as Christians. If it's in the dry season, we're going to come out of it because we're putting things in the proper perspective. And so because I love Brother Manny so much, I got a poem for you guys. But because I love you so much, I will confess I didn't write the poem, okay? Manny writes his poem. I I don't write mine. But this poem is called Feeling, Faith, and Fact. It goes like this. It says, three men were walking on a wall, feeling, faith, and fact. When feeling took an awful fall and faith was taken back. So close was faith to feeling that he stumbled and fell too. But fact remained and pulled up faith, and faith brought feeling too. And that's kind of the, the, the gist of, of the message today, how we have to keep things in the proper perspective. When I came to the Lord, I, I heard a, a real simple analogy that always stood with me. Uh, it asked you to imagine that you uh, were a steam engine, okay? And that the front car was where the engine went, right? The second car was where the coal which fed the engine to keep going went. And then the third one was the, the caboose. And so basically that, that analogy went that fact has to be the front engine. That as Christians, truth, fact has to be what drives us. That the coal which our faith is what fuels facts. It's what fuels it. It's, which, it's, it's faith living, acting out. And so therefore that goes second. And then the caboose, which is always the third one, that's the one that people hang out in the back, right? And wave at people, the politicians like back in the day. That comes last. You need the first one. Definitely need the first one. Without the first one, you ain't going nowhere. You need the second one. That's your fuel. The third one, it's good. It's nice to have there, but it's not really necessary. And that has to be kind of our approach to faith. You need facts, God's word, Jesus, the truth. You need faith, that's believing God's word, that's living them out. And then, you know, it's okay, I guess, to have feelings because our feelings are sometimes what lets us know what's going on, but they're not necessary. Again, I think that a lot of us as Christians, we start off gung-ho when we first come to the Lord. And where we're going through seasons where we really feel his presence, we hear his voice. And, and I want to start off by saying to me, that's beautiful. If that is you, man, praise God for that. Enjoy it. Love it. Keep, keep at it. Keep doing what you're doing. Because there's, there's nothing more better than to be in that presence with God, than to feel his heartbeat, than to hear his voice, 
than to, to have his word come alive at you. But I, I'll bet you that if I took a poll of Christians who have been walking with the Lord for a while and I asked you to raise your hand if you've gone through a dry season, most would raise their hands. It's just part of it. It's, it's what happens. I can't explain it. I don't know why. But we all go through those seasons. And if we put our feelings before fact, before faith, uh, brothers and sisters, we're going to be in trouble. And we love you too much to, to not let you know. This is a real practical message. Um, you're going to be skipping through verses. I would encourage you maybe just to write them down and look at them after. Here we like to teach systematically, but this is more of a, it's just one of those where I'm just going to be throwing verses at you because I want to make my point. Uh, regarding the order that we need to have. Before we talk about these three words, fact, faith, or feelings, I want to look at the reasons why we might be going into dry, reason, or dry seasons. Um, again, if you took a poll down history, um, even the mighty men of God or those people of faith that we read about in, in the books would acknowledge that they've gone through dry seasons before. And again, the reason why. Well, the number one obvious thing is sin, right? Nothing will separate us uh, from God more than sin, more quicker than, than sin. Ezekiel 5.11 says, Therefore, as I live, says the Lord God, surely because you have defiled my sanctuary with all your detestable things and with all your abominations, therefore, I will also diminish you. Now, you read that in the King James and you're like, well, diminish does that mean I'll make that person smaller? The Hebrew word for diminish is the word gare, which means to restrain or to withdraw. It means to make small or to keep back. I like how the ESV translates. It says, therefore, as I live, declares the Lord, surely because you have defiled my sanctuary with all your detestable things and with all your abominations, therefore I will withdraw from you. And so there's nothing that separates us uh, more from God than sin. I'm not talking about our daily falls. I'm not talking about, you know, just man, how we mess up on a daily basis. I'm talking about sin with our eyes wide open. I'm talking about knowing better and saying, God, I, I'm just going to do it. That will separate us from God quick. Isaiah 59.2 says, your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Isaiah 57, 17 tells us, for the iniquity of his covetousness, I was angry and I struck him. It says, I hid and was angry. And he went on backsliding in the way of his heart. And so the answer, of course, isn't to continue backsliding. The answer, of course, isn't to run from God when we're in sin. If we sin, we need to turn back. We need to repent. We need to come back to him knowing that he's a merciful God, not keep going. I read a story of a man who said, when I was a boy, my mother used to send me out to get a birch stick to whip me with it. Any of you guys remember that? Go get your own stick. At first, the man says, I used to stand off from the rod as far as I could, but I soon found out that the whipping hurt me more than any other. So I learned that when that time came, instead of learning not to get punished, right? He learned that when that, that time came, instead of standing far off, he would stand close to his mom. 
And fighters will know that, right? If you're standing far off, you're going to get hit. But if you stand close, you're able to, to take the punch anymore. And so that, I think, transfers over to God, guys. When we're in sin, a lot of the times we're afraid. We're afraid to go to God. We think he's going he's gonna to whoop us. And, and the reality is that God is angry with us. He's angry. He's angry with the sin. He, do, he loves us. He doesn't want us to go down that road. But he loves the sinner. He loves us. He loves his son. He loves his daughter. And so instead of drawing away from him, instead of keep going with our, our backsliding heart, like it says there in Isaiah, we need to draw near like this boiler in punishment. Because it won't hurt as much. When God chasing us, you know, we need to learn how to kiss his rod so that the chastening won't be as bad, so that we know he's punishing us for a reason. Unfortunately, many Christians buy the lie of the enemy that God is so angry with us that there's no turning back. He's past the the point of forgiveness. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, a teenager, I would do something bad, right? And I didn't grow up with a father, so I didn't have a disciplinary, but my mom did the best that she could. So I would mess up, and I said, oh, man, I I went and did it now, right? And so instead of running to my mom and asking for forgiveness, taking the punishment, I just make it worse. I said, hey, man, I I did it already, you know? Might as well go all the way. I remember a time where I didn't come home at the time that I was supposed to come home. And so I was supposed to be home by 5 o'clock. It was 7, didn't come home. I'm like, I messed up already. I'm going to get it. 9 o'clock, I messed up already. I'm going to get it. I mean, 2 in the morning. I I was a young kid. So I, I kept running away from, from the punishment, from the person who loved me, from the person that was worried for me. And if we do that with God, we're, God's not the one that's losing out. It's us. We need to draw close to God. Because 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us huh, of our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. We need to know the heart of God. We need to know that he's a God of mercy. Proverbs 28, 13 tells us, he who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. God's mercy will bring us back into communion with him. That's why Isaiah 54, 7 and 8, it says, pretty, pretty poignant, for a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercies I will gather you. With a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment but with everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Isn't that a beautiful verse? Another reason why I think we go through those parched times in our walk um, is spiritual warfare. The devil's, he's at it. We just went over studying the, the strategies of Satan and, and he just has this, this, this attack from all sides. He'll attack our, 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 our mind to get us to believe his lies. He'll attack our body. He'll slander us before God. He'll make us believe that we're making our own choices when in reality he's the puppet master. So it's spiritual warfare that that we find ourselves sometimes in dry seasons. The climate in the desert, it's hot, huh? It's hot. It, It takes its toll on you and ultimately it kills you. And weariness, guys, is Satan's tool to destroy us when we're worried, when we're tired. 
through his lies, he leads us into the desert and then he, he strikes like a cobra. I was just thinking Jesus was led into, into the wilderness and it was there that he fought the devil, huh? He didn't fight him the way we know fight him. He fought him through spiritual fights, but he fought the devil, no doubt. The devil was using the lack of food. He was using the parched ground. He was using the isolation and all the things that come with being in the wilderness to make Jesus do what he wanted him to do. And so there's no doubt in my mind that, that, that the spiritual attacks leads us into this, this, this dryness in our walk because that's when he can isolate, our, he can isolate us and he can, he can come in for the kill. 2 Timothy 4.18, Paul told Timothy, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. We, we need to stand on the promises like this, on the promises of God, when we're feeling attacked by the enemy, when he's, when he's, when he's on our back, when we feel dry because he's attacking us. I think yet another reason why we go through dry seasons is because we might be getting prepared for something big, for something that God is, is wanting us to do, something he's prepared beforehand for us to do. Paul the Apostle, we heard a couple of Sundays ago, went to the wilderness of Arabia to meet with God, right? And I think undoubtedly to spend time with him in isolation, to hear from God and only from God. Why? Because I, did, I believe God was preparing him for what was coming. And if you know anything about Paul the Apostle's life, he was a man who walked with a lot of power. But he was also a man who went through a lot of suffering and persecution. Moses is another guy, huh? Who, after living in luxury in Egypt and in Pharaoh's kingdom, left for the wilderness. And it was in that very wilderness that God spoke to him that God revealed his will for his life. Now, if Moses was back in Egypt or if he was in a city setting, maybe he wouldn't have heard the voice of God. And so it could be that you are in a place of spiritual dryness because God wants to do a mighty work through you. Whatever the reason, God can bring us back. Just as he led the Israelites out of the wilderness, he can also lead us out, out of that dry season. But what are you to do if and when we find ourselves here? Well, that's where fact, faith, and feelings comes in. We need to put fact first. Fact is the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth is the word of God. As Christians, I don't know if you realize how blessed you are, and I'm not you know, patting this church on the back because I serve here. It's no, no. I, I'm just letting you know how blessed I am because when I came out of the religion church that I went to, I came into a Calvary chapel, which puts an emphasis on teaching the word of God. There's a lot of churches out there, maybe some of you, you know, can amen this, that, that don't teach, that, that don't teach. And so we're blessed to be in a church with a pastor who loves the word of God so much that he is going to follow that philosophy of ministry to teach us the word. We need to know the truth. I would encourage you, don't just get your, your, your study of the word of God here. This is like the cherry 
on top, you know? Make sure that you're in the word every day. Make sure that you know the truth. I'm sure you've probably heard this, this uh, illustration, but do you know that, that, that bankers or, or people that work, you know, with money, they don't necessarily get trained uh, uh, with, with fake bills? They're just given real money. And they're just to handle that real money every day, every day, every day, every day. So much so that when that fake bill appears, they know the difference. They can feel it. They can see it. And that has to be us, Christians. We have to know the word of God. We have to know truth because that's what we have to stand on. That's what fuels our faith. If not, what we're going to be is Christians that depend on feelings. And I don't know if you know this or not, but feelings go up and down. They go up and down. I don't really feel like going to church today. Man, I'm tired. I'm burned out. What is Manny teaching? Acts 5? I've heard that like a thousand times already. I don't want to get beat up by Manny anymore. He's been hitting us too hard lately, you know? Those are all things that, that just go up and down for whatever reason, and we can't be like that. We have to put facts first. I just finished reading a book on the canon, and it was one of those big old giant books that I had no business reading, but I just thought it was a good idea. It was way over my intellect level. But I thought it was was good for me to read it. The the little parts that I could understand, I had to open a dictionary, right, or look at every other word to understand it. But I thought it was important for me to read it because I think that we need to know where the canon came from. We need to know how to defend our faith. I would encourage you, if at all possible, take a, a course in apologetics. If you don't have time, man, we have the, the blessings of, of YouTube. Don't watch YouTube to see silly cat things or whatever they do on YouTube. Use it for good. Put Rabbi Zacharias in there, and you'll see tons of his videos come up. And you'll see people, atheists, challenging him with questions and the answers that he gives back. It's important that we know how to defend our faith, guys. Because we're not only going to have to defend it against the world, but we're going to have to defend it against our own feelings sometimes. We're going to have to defend it against the trials that hit us. Those things that we just can't understand. Man, I've been grappling so much with some of the things that as a church family we've been going through, I just think of my brother Carlos and, and what he's dealing with, with, with Nadine and, and now with Jayla. And I'm just like, you, you, you get um, tempted to say, God, okay, this is just too much. Where are you? But if we know the truth of God, we know that God is good all the time and that his, way, his, his ways are higher than our ways and we can't understand why things happen why things happen to us, why things happen to people that we love, but we rest on the truth that God is good and that he has a plan and that out of his evil, he can work out good. And we go forward in that truth. That's why it's so important to put truth first. Psalm 119, 160 says, the entirety of your word is truth. When it comes to God's word, we we, we have to know it. We need to ask ourselves, regardless of our feelings, did God say it? And if he did, then we got to ask ourselves, can God lie? 
if the first answer is yes, we know the second answer is no. And so we stand on that truth. Proverbs 30 verse 5 says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Hebrews 10.25 tells us that we're not to forsake the assembly, right? That we're to come to church even when we don't feel like it. But again, if we put our feelings before fact, before faith, we're going we're gonna to do that. John 8.31 and 32, check this out. Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Listen, if you abide in my word and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. I, I love what the psalmist wrote in, in Psalm 119, 82. It says, my eyes fail from searching your word saying, when will you comfort me? And so if we're going through a, a, a dry time, may we be like that psalmist. May we take comfort in his word. May we ask him. Like David did, where are you, God? I mean, we take solace that he's going to show himself through his word. He'll show us his heartbeat through his word. The next thing, the next word is faith. And so we have to put faith into action. First Peter 1, 6 through 7 says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. And then he says that the genuineness of your faith being more, much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Think about that. We praise God. We honor God. And we glory at God with our faith. The Bible tells us that the only way to please God is how? It's through faith. That is the only way that we can. And God has given us that faith, huh? It's through his Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.14 tells us, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So that faith that we have doesn't come from us. It comes from God. We just need to use it. We need it to put, put it to use. The Bible, again, repeatedly reminds us that we're to walk by faith and not by sight. It also tells us that the just shall live by faith. We have to be careful, right? Because seal without knowledge is dead, but knowledge without deep affection is just as lifeless. And so that faith has to be the feel. It has to be that that admiration, that, that worship for God that fire that is burning for God. That's why that analogy of the second car and the train being the coals. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is, is, is trusting God. Faith is taking God's word at his word and acting on it. Now if you couple that with truth, which is the first part, you take God's word and you put faith into action. You don't let your feelings dictate your day. We let the fact through faith dictate our day. I read another story of some businessmen who wanted to get some eggs from a nest on the side of a building and they tried to persuade a poor boy that lived near to go over and get them, saying that they would give him a rope and give him a lot of money. 
but they were strangers to him and he wouldn't go. They told him that they would see that no accident happened to him, that they would hold the rope. And at last the little boy said, I will go if my father holds the rope because he trusted his father. A man will not trust strangers. It's smart to get acquainted with a man before you put your confidence in him. But we know that we can have confidence in God huh? because of his word. And so we can put faith to action. Faith without, excuse me, faith without facts is, is, is dead just like facts without faith is dead. So the third one is our feelings. And, and I think that's really where we fall short, man. Because we're emotional people. Um, we're people that want instant satisfaction. We're, we're people that, that, that want to feel, that want to touch. That's just our makeup. That's how we're made. And so I want to begin by saying that you can't always trust your feelings. In fact, you shouldn't trust your feelings that much. Feelings have nothing to do with the fact of God's word. Feelings come, feelings go, and feelings can fool you. What we can have trust is in the fact, not your feelings. Feelings can be good, though. Huh? But they need to be like the caboose in the back of the train. You can't drive the train with the caboose. It's in the back. It's there kind of directing. What a caboose is used for basically is just to get rest and it's for the people to look over to the front of the train and see if there's any repairs that are needed. That's it. That's all a caboose is, is used for. Emotions are a gauge, not a guide. And someone said that they're meant to report to you, not to dictate to you. And unfortunately, we get that reversed. Huh? Instead of reporting to us and us acknowledging the feelings but putting faith, putting facts first, we let them dictate how we're going to live or the choices that we're going to make. You see that so much. You see that in, 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 in Christians who were on fire for the Lord, but for whatever reason, something happened. And they just, they just stopped coming to church. They stopped showing up to Bible study. And you wonder why, what happened? It's because they allow feelings to come before fact and before faith. I like the, the surfer's proverb. I'm not sure if you ever heard it. Feelings are like the waves. You can't keep the waves from coming, but you can choose which one to surf. That's the way it should be, right? Can't keep these feelings from coming. Just like we can't keep a bird from flying over our head, but we can keep a bird from nesting on our head. Let facts, let faith drive you guys. God made us emotional people. Emotions aren't bad in themselves. What's bad is when we let our emotions lead us and not the truth. I was thinking, we're going to have emotions in heaven, huh? We're going to see each other. We're going to be like, ah, you made it. That's so cool. You know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna see God and rejoice. We're going to see our loved ones who went before us and rejoice. Those are emotions. Those are, are good things. But we're not going to have the emotions that get us in trouble here on earth in heaven. And we need to understand that those emotions, even though they're God-given, they're, they're, they're hardwired 
into our fallen nature. And so therefore they shouldn't be trusted. Jeremiah 17, 9, it speaks of our heart. A lot of you know that, that passage or that verse. The heart is deceitfully above all things, it says. And desperately wicked, who can know it? The heart in the Hebrew is called the seat of our emotions. It's, it's, we know it's an organ, right? But the Bible, the Bible illustrates it as, a, as that, that part where we feel, where we make choices. And so Jeremiah says that our, our, our heart is, is wicked. It's deceitful. We shouldn't trust it. We need to go based on facts, truth, God's word, the person of Jesus. We need to go based on faith, exercise, lived out. And then feelings in the back of the class, right, as a gauge and not a dictator. If we do this, I'm telling you, it's more likely to prevent us from straying away, from getting our eyes off the finish line and staying in the wilderness. I, I, just, I wish I can tell you that you're not going to go through that. I wish I can tell you that you're not, through your Christian walk, going to go through a dry season. I can't. But what I can tell you is that if you stand on the truth, through faith, you will get through it. You will get through it because the truth is what sets us free. The truth is what tells us about Jesus. We can stand on the fact that we're wretched sinners, but that God sent his son to die for us. And through, through Calvary, he's paid for all our sin past, present, and future, we can stand on that regardless of what our feelings is telling us. Isaiah 43, 19 says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So if you're going through a dry season or when you go through a dry season, and I pray you don't because it's a miserable place to be when you know God, but for whatever reason, you can't hear his voice. You don't feel him close to you. I think first we need, to, we need to ask ourselves, are we in sin? Am I in sin, Lord? Search, search my heart. Show me. Where am I at? What am I doing? Am I being disobedient towards you? And when God reveals it to you, run to him. Because remember, it, it hurts more when you stand afar. Ask yourself, is it spiritual warfare? Lord, I asked you if it was sin. It, it doesn't look like it's sin, Lord. I mean, I know I, I fail you daily, but it's not wide open sin. Then it, it, it could be spiritual warfare. The enemy is attacking you. Or thirdly, maybe it's because you're being prepared for something big. Whatever the reason is, Maybe it's because you're, you're putting your feelings first. Know that God will make a way out if you just hold, hold on to him. What the word of God says? Even when we're unfaithful, he remains faithful. Lastly, to prevent us from, from going into the wilderness, I think we must be dependent on God's Holy Ghost on the Spirit of God because these things that we talk about, they're supernatural. D.L. Moody was asked once why he placed so much emphasis on the sustaining work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and his simple answer was because I leak. 
we need to know that we're we're holy. Not holy like, you know, God wants us to be holy. Holy like we've got a bunch of holes and everything we take in spills out all the time. And then we be constantly refilling ourselves with the word of God. We need to be constantly asking God to fill us, to refill us with his spirit so that we know how to run this course. There was a man who says, I remember being in a city where I noticed that the people resorted to a favorite well in one of the parks. I said to a man one day, does that well never run dry? The man was drinking of the water out of that well and he stopped drinking. He smacked his lips and said, they'd never been able to pump it dry yet. They tried a few years ago. They put fire engines to work. They tried all they could to pump the well dry, but they found that there was a river flowing under the city. And so no matter what we go through in our walk, remember and thank God that the well of salvation can never, never run dry. And stand on that. Let that fuel you. Let that help you to stand on the facts, to stand on the truth, to stand on the word of God, to know the, tr- the word of God, to live it out by faith so that when those feelings come knocking on the door, you know how to answer. Romans 8, 37 tells us what? We are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors through him who loves us. And that's Jesus. Jesus.